This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 765, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks. Fanboy Pick Week episode 765. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. Hello, Connor. I'm Josh, everyone. We are iFanboy, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks our favorite one. We call it the Pick of the Week. We talk about that book, other books, the Patreon pick, listener mail if we have time. We have fun. We give spoilers. Here's your warning. Spoilers are coming in this discussion if they are necessary to the discussion. Watch out! They're coming! Josh... You had the pick this week, and I was a little surprised. Well, you shouldn't have been. Pick of the week is Batman Black and White number two. You didn't like the first issue. It didn't. I didn't. That's why I was I, a little I thought surprised. most of it wasn't very good, but the thing here is about this one is that most of it was very good. <laughs> I would say that probably four of the five stories I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And even the one that I didn't like that much was still pretty good looking. I'm curious which one that was. Would you have a guess? Duel. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, well, That was my least favorite, too. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what you have here is five short stories. Tom King and Mitch Garrett's on The Undust, Unjust Judge. That's hard to say. Hmm. All Cats Are Gray with story and art by Sophie Campbell. The Spill from our pals uh, Gabe Hardman and Kurt Gar- I can't talk today. I'm <laughs> wow. sorry, everyone. Wow. Hardman. Gabe Hardman. <laughs> Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco. Duel, uh, which is by Justin Dustin. Oh my God! Jeez, man! I don't know. Did Dustin you start Weaver. drinking before the show? What happened? Yeah, yeah. I'm a little whiskey in the morning to stay warm. And I wrote this title down wrong, but David Aja just doing a whole thing that that blew me away. And that the that's devil kind of is the in the thing. details is the name of his story. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that the thing was, uh, it, there's no equivocation of any kind this week on the pick of the week. Oh, no. It was a great issue. It was not, no, but I'm saying it, it was not a big week, but like I read books I like. It was a good week. I thought it was a solid week of books. I enjoyed my comics, mm-hmm. you know, just like I did last week. It, it's interesting because, uh, you know, someone wrote in like a couple of weeks ago after we'd had like, I think two weeks in a row of bad comics. And they were like, I don't want to listen anymore. You guys don't like comics. And I was like, that's not what's happening at all. And since then, like we had two great weeks mm-hmm. and uh, it is really, it's just really nice. Like I was reading this book and I go, unless the last two stories here are terrible, this is <laughs> going to be a pick of the week. And I think there was probably one other book or two books that could have been, but there was, there was like I finished. I was like, that's it. I, I never had a question about it. Well, Duel, the Dust, Dustin Weaver story, I know you've got me doing it, is I thought interesting to look at. I, even if I didn't yes. enjoy the story, I, I, I didn't really understand the story. I thought the art was good and I thought it was interesting. He drew it like Michael Keaton's Batman and I thought that was fun. And like there was value in it at least. There, there wasn't, it wasn't like a throwaway. Yeah, there was. It's, that's totally the case. It was thoughtful. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like it was way out of left field. So starting off, you got you got Tom King and, and Mitch Garretts, and and the the thing is, that's carrying some weight now, and so like the bar is higher for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I and I keep wondering, like, okay, uh, you know, like, can they keep this up? And, and it was great. I really enjoyed the way it was drawn. I really liked, you know, I we talk about Tom King a lot, obviously. But like on top of being like a good comic book writer and doing this, there's bits in here. I was like, this is just good writing. Mm-hmm. If this was in a novel or if this was, you know, it's just really strong, you know, writing above the level of what you get in a lot of comic books or even what makes a lot of comic books great. And so, you know, and then there's a bit where there's a there's a big uh, it's a single page, you know, and Batman is is he's taken his mask off, which I thought was really interesting because, you know, unlike. Unlike Steve Rogers in the movies, uh, Batman doesn't take his mask off that much. It's not like a thing that he does. Right. And he's sitting with his priest who who's buried, and the priest just like you can't you can't save me. You can't save anyone, you know. But when you were here, you held my hand, you know. And that's not failure. And there's a pause, and it says that is enough. And I just thought that is beautiful. Like I had a I had an emotion, you know. Yeah. So the, the you know there's an explosion or something at a church, and the priest is buried, and he's. Batman tries to get him out, and he's just not going to... He's priest is mortally wounded, so they have... A, Batman sits with him unless he's dying, and it was really sweet, and he, again, he takes the mask off in a moment of vulnerability with the priest, yeah. who, who, as you said, says basically, none of us are immortal, we're all going to die, so you, ultimately you can't save anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the benefit of this was Tom King's nine-panel grid gives you a, a, a pretty meaty story, because yeah. these are yeah, short yeah. stories, so you get a lot of, you get a lot of dialogue here. And what's also nice is that if you just wanted to repurpose this and put Daredevil in there, works just as well. That's <laughs> true. It's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's not a knock on it. It's good, no. you know. And you know, uh, you know, uh, Mitch, Mitch Garrett. It's crazy. Is, is, it's really crazy. I, I I know I know him. I've known him for a long time, and the sort of distance that he has covered from being a really interesting young artist to being. At the level that he's at now, it you know it doesn't fail to impress. When I moved, I was looking through my comics and like, getting rid of stuff and keeping stuff and, and and moving stuff around. And I I came across my trades for the activity, which I think was the first time I remember coming across his art. Think yeah, like on a on a yeah on a regular book, and yeah. it was really great then. But the the arc from there to here is mighty long. He's 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 a tour de force now. It's an amazing 
uh, a bit of development, yeah. I think. And and you know, not everyone does that. And and so it should be. And you know, he's he's won awards. He's got Eisner's. They've also. It's unusual these days that you have a sort of team that works together so often and so fruitfully, you know, mm-hmm. and so that like I think they're building off of each other, King and Garrett's. Yeah. If I'm looking at this and I sort of see the relationship, they seem to really like each other and they really they like working to. with yeah. each other. And, uh, you know, and I hope that is that that's actually the case, you know, because it's one of those things all of a sudden Abnett and Landing hate each other. <laughs> you know, and I know that that's not the, the case in the past with these guys that, you know, they like each other. And I think it shows, mm-hmm. you know, like it's always a thing in comics when people are happy with their work, it, the, it shows it's just and, and they're they're clicking together and, and it's great. Uh, it works the other way too, I guess. Sometimes where you got Claremont and Byrne who did really good work together, but then that ends. So, <laughs> moving on, we've got All Cats Are Gray from Sophie Campbell. Uh, I don't think this was the greatest story. Is actually not a ton of story here, but as a sort of exercise, it's a silent little yeah in- adventure with Catwoman and Batman. I thought it looked beautiful. It looked beautiful, but it, it was almost more like a, a graphic experiment. Yeah, and uh, I think it was super successful, and it was just it, uh, it was a joy to look at. He's chasing her in the snow. She's got her black outfit on. She can't hide, so she sees a, a, a gray cat and changes her suit to gray and is able to hide better against him. It's just a little. It's just a little, as you derisively called last time, tone poem, which I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. of Catwoman and Batman. And I thought the negative space art was terrific. I, I always I love negative space yeah. art. It's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Chris Somney originally because his sketches. Mm-hmm. Not his comic work necessarily, but his sketches are all negative space yeah, yeah, yeah. work. So when she's hiding in the in the backdrop with her suit, it's just I just love that stuff. So no, it is beautiful. And I, I think, you know, when we're talking about that the tone poem thing, you know, it works when it works most True. of the a lot of times it doesn't. But this was a case where it was just it was very successful. And like I can look back through it now and read through it over and over again. And it's just it's beautiful. And and I I really the negative space thing you're talking about that last page of that story where she's peering around the corner and mm-hmm. and the only thing you see is her outline and then like her hands are just you know the five five ink marks yeah. you know for her, her claws it's beautiful it really is and even with Batman you have this just him his outline with the yeah. snow falling in front of it it was cool I mean that's probably one of the biggest strengths of that costume yeah. you know is that it just adapts itself so well to those things well, that's and, always what it says you can always tell who Batman is no matter what yeah. Yeah, and also just like you know, I, I kind of didn't know. It, it wasn't tons of story, but there was enough in it that like I was like, are they a couple here? Are they fighting? Like you kind of didn't know what's going to happen. You have that tension, obviously, that always exists there. Uh, it was great. Then we move along to the Hardman and Becco story. You know, and I think this is my favorite one. I, yeah, I, it's pretty. This 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 issue is chock full of terrific stuff, and and the David Aja one is terrific. But I, as a story, I think this is probably my favorite one. Yeah, and it, it you know. There's a bit where there's a there's a page turn to the Joker sitting on top of the wreck. Mm-hmm. And I'm so tired of the Joker as a thing, but that is a really that is a beautiful piece of work. And I don't know if it's from being a, a student of storyboards and classic mm-hmm. films and stuff, but like Gabe's art just has this really conscious motion to it. And if you look at the line, I mean, I know this is a joke, like he's come on he came on our show. It's not a joke, but he because he means it, but like the most important things go in front. Art and comics should go from left to right. And like you can see that I know that, that that's what he believes in is what he thinks about. You can see it in these comics. So when you look at the bit where and the lettering works with it, too, by Troy Pateri, is that, you know, it goes from the top left to the bottom right in that one panel. And all the lines lead you in that direction. Right. You know, and it's just 
it's not just a beautiful drawing with with amazing textures and and he puts it's there's so much in this in the drawings in it's the like, art it's like it's like Garrett's stuff there's there's a, it's a it's a whole yes. world it's textured there's no mistaking either one of these guys when you look at their their art no. but this is a great story just to give the context it's the batmobile sort of flips over has he has an accident and he's stuck in upside down in like a spillway or a urban river yeah the la river if you yeah. yeah, and he's he's trapped. He's sort of pinned in the Batmobile in the river as it's as it's raining and the river's rising. So it's essentially, he's he's going to drown. He can't lift the car off himself. He's stuck. He, he tries to winch it off, and that doesn't work. And and then the Joker shows up. And I, what what I really liked about the story was they didn't play into the romantic aspect of their relationship, where it's and I mean romantic in terms of uh, not necessarily love, but where it's like we're two sides of the same coin, and I I want you around. It's like no, I want to see you die. I'm a psychopath, and so I'm going to sit here and watch you die. Mm-hmm. I like that. It was a different take that we've seen lately on Batman yeah, and Joker. And, and just as a Joker design, I love it. Yeah. It's a little combination of sort of what makes the classic Jokers work, but just sort of realistic, a little more like an actual face. Right. Like a man. Yeah. And, but, the, you know, it's still got all the lanky, skinny stuff. It's yeah. just, it's just beautiful. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to also, I'm going to do this, this story in the driving rain with water every like you know there's there's no shortcuts taken with this art and it's no. got the sort of the white out splatter kind of things and then there's places with this duotone and it's just god it, it's gorgeous mm-hmm. moving on over to duel by dustin weaver again i think you sort of mentioned it and you know graphically design wise we are living in anton first gotham clearly yeah yep. oh yeah the character and the, and the, and the gotham design yeah, the story I I I don't think I understood it. I, I don't. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't. I was, Batman's up against the white version, meaning it's a guy who's negative space version of himself, all white costume, white face, his eyes, and then he stumbles on this UFO inside is like a Batcave with the all white version of his father and Robin. I'm not afraid to say I don't understand it. I, I didn't either. I and so in that way, I don't think it necessarily worked. I think it was imaginative. I think it was reaching very far, and that's not a bad thing. And it was it was beautiful. You know, again, it wasn't skimped on. I didn't get it. Yeah. So even that, it wasn't. You know, I would I wouldn't probably give it incredibly high marks. You know, a for effort. And then you go from that yeah. to the devil is in detail by David Aja, and I'm far enough into the thing now that I had forgotten his name was on the front, and so right. I see the first. Uh, sort of a shot of Batman in a medium panel, and I will explain what the whole thing is in a second. Yep. And I looked at it and I went, "Is this Jorge Fornes? Is this?" Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, oh no, this is David Aja," because you could see his name sort of on the side. And the whole thing is done in newspaper strip format mm-hmm. that spans like a d- double page spread. It's done like the Daily Comics used to be, and right. they're dated, you know, October nineteen forty nine. It goes through, I think it's Monday through Thursday. Yeah, because there's no Sunday strip. Right, which I was, I was really thought we'd get to like a big, co- you know, obviously not yeah. color, but I guess we can't I like do color, that, so yeah. I, I liked that it was just like these are the daily strips, and I remember when I was a kid, oh. you know, there'd be the Spider-Man strip in there, and it's funny because I didn't, we didn't get the paper regularly, so I would always get it, and I'd get, you know, I'd be super excited to read it, but I wouldn't get any story out of it. We'll talk about happy. lost art that people who are much younger than us don't understand at all was, the, you know, the yeah. the, the, car, the the comic strip stories. I mean. You know, I was a newspaper family, so we always had the newspaper. So I followed all those stories, for better or worse, oh, or uh, Doonesbury or Calvin and Hobbes, obviously. You know, you'd follow these stories in little th- three, four panel strips every day. If, you know. and, and also, like, 
there were masters doing this stuff. Yeah. That's and that's another thing I and think. And there were series ones like Spider Man and like you know, yeah. like there was uh the reporter one, I don't, I don't remember, but because as a kid I liked the I liked the sillier ones more as a kid. But mm-hmm. yeah, you got a you got a story. It was like, you know, it was a legitimate and some of those things were epic, like, you know, for better or worse, followed this family for like decades as they went from yeah. kids to adults, the parents died. Like it was a whole epic. I mean this is they still exist because I still see them in papers, but not to the extent that you know, culturally they didn't, you know, before. Yeah. But anyway, this I love the format of this a lot. So, you're right. And and I think the thing, A, it was incredibly surprising. So first mm-hmm. of all, you know, to see like he, he drew, wrote, he lettered, he did the whole thing. And it just, once I adjusted, because it took a second, like, wait, whoa, what am I doing? You know, I did. And I, I just, I was so impressed because, you know, they did the Wednesday comics, is, but you know, this is a lost thing. It's almost in a way, it's not new, but I was like, someone's doing something different. Yeah. You know, than I see all the time. And, and at, you know, his, his, his graphic style, it lends itself so well to this. I mean, it's gorgeous in a, yeah. in a completely different way than, than Garrett's and Hardman's is gorgeous. It's almost blotchy and it's what's not there, but those shapes just form, you know, something. And then the light, there's a shot where Batman is sitting like in the cave and there's a beam of light that goes through mm-hmm. that makes the microscope into a silhouette and all, you know, it's all old timey, you know, uh, well, so it takes place in the forties. So all, of, yeah, that was great too. The technology and the the cars and the language, it was uh, fully realized. Really, yeah, yeah totally. Really, I, I, there was little things I loved that like the body language, like Batman at one point, Towards the end, he's walking up the stairs, and that's the same image they used for the final page of the comic or his bio page. Like he's got, a, he's sort of slump-shouldered. You know, he's not like mm-hmm. he's not a larger-than-life character here. He's a man, and he's he's not exaggerated. And it's just a little bit of body language detail. You know, it, it, he doesn't look like a superhero. Yeah. It's just beautiful. I and mean, you don't really ever see Batman that well. He's mostly silhouette. Yeah, he's mostly shadow. I mean, Which adds to, to, to the fun. It's just great. It was just really, really great. It, it, yeah, it was totally like unexpected and novel and beautiful and and well done and and you know it just works as a piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know also just a, like a a great nod to sort of a forgotten art form that mm-hmm. I don't think we think about very much anymore. Yeah, this was a terrific, terrific issue. I like the first issue yeah. a lot, but this was terrific. Oh, I mean, to me, it wasn't even close. Like, this yeah. was just this was just a tour de force. And I saw, like, there's the lineup for the next one. I was like, oh, that's not going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> they did kind of put all their heavy hitters into one issue here. I know. I, I, I honestly I don't understand why this wasn't the first issue. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even make sense. It is kind of strange. You think, yeah. Yeah. Because this is, anybody with half an inkling about what's good in comics is going to see the front of this and go, oh, that's a thing. You know, it's, it's, yeah. uh. It's great. It is really, it was really delightful. Dave, there's just not enough David Aja in our world, but I think that that might be better in the long run. <laughs> he he's been doing. I think he's been doing that seed book that we seed. Did. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think it comes out very regularly because I, I don't think it comes out at all. But I think he's. Working I think that's it. why I lost track of it. Yeah. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just that yeah, I forgot about it every time. So I don't know what's come out. Anyway, that's your pick of the week. It's five stars all the way. The worst part of it was pretty damn good. Yeah, no question about that one for me. So last week we didn't talk about any feature state books, which is totally fine. This week we're going to talk about Superman versus Imperius Lex, number one by Mark Russell, Steve Pugh, uh, Romulo, Fiardo, Jr., and Carlos Mangal. This is actually, on the whole, like the books were pretty fun. But again, it's the same problems we talked about before. The overall world 
that's not that interesting. The, the way they're presenting the story is not compelling. The characters are not that compelling. But as stories, I thought this issue was this week was probably the strongest week for Future State. But we'll talk about this one, I think, because of Mark Russell. Yeah, well, well, well. To me, this is uh, Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, the Flintstones team, and I'm used to his stories taking place in a different thing. So I just right. thought, oh, okay, this is the world they're in. Let's do this story. And I, I guess it refers to an earlier story where Lex leaves Earth and takes over a planet and becomes its ruler. And so that's what the situation is. Oh, here. is that it? Yeah, yeah. It's a reference to a thing that happened at another time, from what I understand. Um, which I learned because I was trying to find a link to show a friend of mine. I was like, you need to read this. And then I, that's why I read that. I was like, oh, it's just, you know, a lot of people listen to us and I'm woefully uninformed. <laughs> anyway, I don't have a regular Mark Russell s- series right, right now. Yeah. And I missed it. Like a lot. You know, early on, he did he did a couple of Lex Luthor stories early on. And I, and I think because so much of his stuff has to do with, you know, capitalist businesses and that well, sort Lex of was stuff. Well, Lex was a major player in the Wonder Twins book. Yeah, exactly. But so he always sort of goes back to that. And the first short story he ever did in mainstream comics, I don't remember what it was in, but it was a Lex Luthor story. Mm-hmm. And I remember back then it was like, this is this is odd. He's not he doesn't quite have it yet. And through this one, I thought it was a really nice balance of what you expect out of a mainstream comic with bits of his stuff. Even more so than, you know, he could, he could be a little wacky in Wonder Twins in a way that he couldn't in this one. But there was some really funny stuff just right away in this. Like, there's a character, there's a United Planets that is started up in Metropolis, which is, and there's even another little comment on that is that the people in Metropolis don't necessarily like it. Earth for Earthlings and stuff like, like that. Like the UN. Yeah. There's a character that's like, uh, it's a bowl. It's a cylinder of glass with a bunch of sand or liquid in it. Yeah. And that is the character. <laughs> And at one point they're talking about what to do to Lex and he just he just goes drown him in sand. <laughs> just Oh, it's, it's exactly. So yeah, so oh, and then earlier that the first time that character No, it's not even a head. It's a jar on a stick. Yeah, and it's, it's got to be sand in. Yeah. And he just says, "I love that new building smell." He goes, "I have no olfactory sense." <laughs> it's just great jokes. So this is the future further I would assume further in the future than the other books that as you said, Lex has gone off and he has his own planet, Lexor, and uh, the United Planets is is meeting to decide what to do about Lex. They have a council being led by one of the um, guardians. Mm-hmm. Lois is on the council. She's the rep for the United States, or for the Earth, and uh, they decide to send Superman to the planet. I really liked it. The nerd in me was like, Superman's hair shouldn't be gray. But I, I had that thought, but then again, what is all rule? All bets are off. Right, that's what I mean. I was like, whatever. It bugged me for a minute. We got late middle age, uh, bouncy Lois. You know, right. like she's just got her silver fox thing going on. You know, their relationship was good. I, one of my favorite little details is, hey, you know, it's a good Superman. Like it's yeah. a clear, like Superman trying to do the right thing, even though it doesn't seem like the obvious thing or the thing that everybody wants. And I think that always is is good in these stories. There's this one little detail where Lex has a apparently like a face mask on. Well, his hands are like that too, and I wonder if I mean he's. I think he's probably enhanced some way it's probably some sort yeah. of cybernetics but i always took it like he's got like a he's got something on his face that makes him look younger than he is yeah you know, like that's the way that i was looking and i thought there was going to be sort of a payoff for it but it wasn't and i actually liked that there wasn't just like what is it because you know you get the well, idea we have another issue behind, so like they've they got another chance to do that yeah just behind and under that mask like maybe he's a little more decrepit and wrinkly and but you know he has it on in the you know, there's a statue of him there you know and all the people like him and they like him, but because, you know, their lives are good because he's pillaging from other, other he's places. A, he's Dr. Right. Doom, basically. He's, he sends his robots out to pillage other planets, takes their wealth. Yeah. The people on this planet have jobs building the robots. The wealth comes back. That's, a, you know, colonialism. That's, right. that's all that's happening there. Right. You know, 
It's great. It's a re- it, it was a really enjoyable, you know, uh, Steve Pugh, really funny in the other stuff, but this is just him doing, you know, straight up superhero stuff and a lot of times in Aliens, and mm. it looked great. Right. It was fun. This could have been my pick of the week, a different week for sure. For sure, yeah. I mean, we're at the point now where you've got King and Black going on and you've got Future State going on and... Not a lot. Yeah, but if you can pick and choose some gems out of it, there's still stuff to enjoy in there. Yeah, you've got to find the cracks. Yep. And there's certainly things to enjoy in the cracks. Let's talk about Fantastic Four 28. This is the culmination of the... Uh, I don't know what the storyline's called. This is the final issue of the storyline with the Forever Gate and the problems that involve... What's the lady? The end of the world? The entropy thing? The main villain in this. Anyway, uh, you to me... The Griever? The Griever. Is that her name? When you have a comic book... And it features the ultimate nullifier. You got to talk about the comic book, right? Because it's a thing that actually isn't overused, uh, and I like that. I just want to say from the straight up, like Arby Silva. This is like Arby Silva's best issue in a while. This issue is full of big superhero stuff. It's high in the gosh scale. Very. I want to also compliment Jesus Obertov, the colorist, because this is like a coloring oh, yeah. tour de force. There's so much cosmic stuff going on here. There's bright colors and. I was really impressed by the way this book looked. I liked the story, although there's one thing about it that I thought didn't necessarily work or I thought was a missed opportunity, but I thought overall this was terrific and it, mostly because the art was amazing. I think that's true, but I also think that like you really got the uh, some good highs and lows of the family dynamic in this mm-hmm. one. You know, like the, the, what is the nature of Franklin? You know, that's this outstanding and really dramatic and interesting question that has sort of been going through this the whole time. You know, I think we all know that he's not really out of powers, no. you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's going to be a thing. But at the same time, that contrasting to the fact that, you know, he's, he's so uber powerful, you know, like in a way that, and there's a little bit here where he's like, I have a feeling I'm going to see you at the end of the world, you know, mm-hmm. and we know from that other, I forget what the story, the history of the Marvel universe. And Thor also. Okay. So we know that Both he's folks. around for that. Yeah. This really big, fantastic four comments. Then you got the thing where, where Johnny, just goes in to the really dangerous things that he's not going to doesn't think he's going to come back from to save everybody. And then the last story that he goes, basically the griever takes four members of the fantastic four, everybody, but Johnny. So to everybody, Johnny, so instead of that yeah. to their day at the end of their lives, like the thing that actually kills them. And the last one where, you know, Ben goes to save Reed and he finds Ben Grimm, who's finally had enough of Reed beating the shit out of him, you know? And I was like, ask, ask, that's good drama right there. You know, yeah, so the, the idea is that is that Ben will kill Reed. Yeah. Eventually. And that was where, my, where I thought there should have been some sort of payoff to that. I just don't think we're there. They mentioned it. Like, in fact, like, there's a point where, like, I think Sue says, well, what happened to you? And he's like, well, we can talk about it some other time. I don't mean a payoff. What I mean is, like, you come out of that scenario where you see that you're going to kill your best friend. And... There should have been some sort of either who cares, it's not going to happen, or it should it should be haunting him. I just thought there should have been like a look from Ben to Reed or something. Like, what are you going to do that's going to make me want to kill you? Because that's, that's what future Reed, uh, Ben says is he's going to finally do something. He's going to go too far, and then the day comes you're going to kill him, and you won't think twice. And I thought it was a great, powerful scene. And then I just thought there should have been something, maybe even in the background where we're Ben's looking at Reed or something where he's like, what is, what's going on here? That's a pretty traumatic thing to see. Yeah. For a guy I like mean, ben. There, there was that little capper, like I said, but I, I can't, I can't imagine that that's not, right. I mean, Dan, Dan Slott would be a terrible writer to come up with something that beautiful and then just leave it on the floor. And at first it kind of, 
bugged me out. Yeah, I don't, like like you, you don't want to see like these characters hate each other. But also, and then I thought about all the things that basically the way they've made Reed since since Civil War, and that pretty much tracks with the characterization they've gone with since. Then. Yeah, no, and, and I think it hurts, but I, I I like it. I still really like it as a comment on the the American nuclear family or whatever, and especially because this came out of the '60s. You know that idea of what a father is like in that situation. Is for this Don Draper kind of thing to it, you know, and ultimately he wants to be a good guy. But I really I think it's great that he's not entirely whitewashed in that idea of being perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, like his his passions will maybe, you know, the thing is supposed to be all about the family. And you can see how, you know, Sue is the mother and she will do anything for her kids and her family, you know, and Johnny, you know, is a fierce protector. And so is so is Ben Grimm. And Reed wants to be all those things, but he's the one who is a super genius. He knows everything, but he's the one who has the most weaknesses. Oh, I don't want him to be perfect. I just think there's, no, a, I know. there's I, a leap from not perfect to murder. Right, but but that gives you an area to play in. Sure. It doesn't mean, you know, it's like anything, just because they say that's the end of the world. Isn't oh, yeah, it? we're never going to get to that point, but it, it, it should. Anyway, it's not a big deal. Uh, it was a minor thing. It, I this uh, was a also, we are not mentioning. But the fact that we can, the fact that like there's, you know, I'm going to say there's two or three pages in this thing that you and I can then talk about for several minutes, you know, and not really know what to make of it, but know it's good. I think it's great. That's really, that's great stuff. I don't, I don't know why Dan Slott is five different people. <laughs> I don't understand, but man, that he is, he is in his spot here. This is the best Fantastic Four I've read in years. And great Silver Surfer who comes along yes, with absolutely. the ultimate little fire. Wasn't caught up in any of the, I'm all black and dying from the thing. I'm just classic Silver Surfer and really great. He's sort of, <laughs> I don't want to say he's Tom Hanks in Family Ties, but he's sort of the, <laughs> he's sort of the uncle that comes along. You know, he's a member of the team in a way, the family in a way. An alcoholic? I don't know. I was just trying to think of like the uncle who shows up and causes trouble, but right, he's not quite to, not quite to that extent. Strange Adventures number eight. So now we are what, three quarters of the way through the story. Uh huh. And I still don't know what to make of it. I think I, I know which that I, I don't think is a bad thing. At the end, there was parts of it. I think there was parts of it that I I, I the, the scenes with Mister Terrific and Batman. Mm-hmm. Were, were really great and fun to fun to read and and they're interrogating a picked you know but the other bits I, I i find the adam strange stuff to be very confusing such to the point where it's almost it's almost not compelling because mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to pin down but yeah. again well i think we're know. getting closer we're getting closer to yeah. some answers mr miracle didn't come together until the 12th issue where you suddenly it all made sense so i'm not saying he should do that every time, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, I can't really knock it until it's all said and done. Because once the pieces fell in place in Mister Miracle, it all made sense. But here, you really get the sense of the black label here, because you know there's this worldwide disaster. You know, yeah. the Picts have invaded Earth and destroyed Phoenix, and you're just like, well, this couldn't happen in continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, all of his books are basically out of continuity, whether they're in black label or not. But I, I like that nature of it. It felt like an event without it being an event. You know, it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like this, I know you're annoyed by the alien invasions, but I thought this worked. I thought Batman and Mr. Terrific are a fun pairing. And it's yeah, but, you know, it's like, fun that, that there's a guy smarter than Batman that Batman has is, is almost his sidekick. I know. I love that. That is this really wonderful. It, you know, like there's the alien invasions and there's your alien invasions. We said this about, you know, some comics, you know, do it well and it doesn't matter what it is. But there is heft to this part of the invasion, meaning that there's a backstory and we understand. And again, there's no clear cut. Who's a good guy. Who's a bad guy over in Marvel. You know who the bad guy is. Like mm-hmm. you don't really have to think about it very much. You just beat the people coming in this, like are the picks bad? Like, you know, like, uh, is this a reaction to a thing? Uh, you, you know, 
<laughs> we were talking about this earlier, but is this more like Northern Ireland? I don't know. Right. You know, and that makes it interesting. And I, I, I think the, the final thing that really got me in this was that a lot of Tom King's books are about PTSD. Yeah. And this one really is about PTSD. Right. Uh, and there's a scene where, you know, Adam Strange loses his shit. And, mm-hmm. and to me, you know, I know that there's some autobiographical stuff going into, or at least experiential stuff. And it's, it's really, it's really tough to read in, in not in a bad way, but I just mm-hmm. felt really, I really felt for that character and the family at that instance, because, you know, if you've been through shit, it changes the perspective on everything and you want to be a good guy and you can't always. And, and, and then you feel guilt and all the whole thing. And I just thought that was, that's really poignant. The one piece I haven't figured out yet. I mean, there's a lot of pieces I haven't figured out yet, but the one thing I haven't figured out yet is why he closes every issue with a quote from a comic creator, how that ties in. Mr. Miracle again is very much about the nature of comics. I think Mm -hmm. ultimately. And so at first glance, this feels like it's a, this is, this is very much about the nature of PTSD and war and, and here the stories you tell yourself. But the fact that each issue ends with the classic, like golden age comic creators quote, there was a Kirby quote before, there's a Jack Davis one in this one. Mm. Makes me wonder. I just don't know yet. Again, we've got four more issues to go. There's no chance that it's not thoughtful. There's not. Oh, no, no. He just doesn't throw them in for, for no reason. There's a reason right. why they're in there. I just don't know yet. Well, I mean, what's the thing with, with other writers, some, you know, with less talented writers, sometimes that does happen. Like somebody thinks they're being poignant, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, that, that'll pay off, but maybe not for everyone. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. it won't pay off for us, but there will be something to it that's at least interesting. You know, I don't know what's going on, but I, I enjoyed it and I'm impressed by it. That's we've given that review like <laughs> two thirds of the comics the dude's ever read. Yeah, because it mostly pays off. You know, Vision paid off and Mr. Miracle paid off. I don't think it worked in Heroes in Crisis, but this is a much more compelling and interesting look at PTSD than that was. We'll find out at the end. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't work. Over the Break, Post-Americana came out from Image. So issue two came out this week. This is the book by Steve Scroach with colors by Dave Stewart. And I just wanted to mention that this is much more what I was hoping for from Undiscovered Country, the book from Snyder and um, Charles Soule. Soul that I, I ended up dropping. Did he, does he I think so. The idea here is there's been some sort of a disaster. And so we're in the post-disaster period of America. And it's like Mad Max meets like The Walking Dead. But it's sci-fi in the way it's like in the future. So the technology is better. But it's not sci-fi in like the monsters. There's no monsters or mutants. Hard or, sci-fi. Yeah. So it's a little raw. It's, a little, it's got a little bit of Rick Remender streak running through it. Because, you know, in this issue, the, the, the two main characters get captured by a roving gang of orgiastic cannibals. And so that it's that kind of thing. You know, there's these double page spread of their like giant party where they're eating people and having sex everywhere. And so that felt very Rick Remender-esque. I've been enjoying it. It, it keeps skirting to the edge of me going, eh, okay. Like it's a little gratuitous, but I have been enjoying it. You know, there's a, a mountain where the elites escape to from whatever the disaster was. And that's where the quote unquote government is. And so there's a, a band of people who are fighting back in the mountain, destroying their technology. And then you've got these two people here are trying to survive on the outside, get back to the mountain where they've been waylaid. And it scratches that strange Mad Maxian itch, you know, of of post-society disaster. I'm not reading, well, Walking Dead's over. There's nothing else I'm reading like that right now, where we sort of get to explore our anxieties about society collapsing in a fun sci-fi way and not in a monster's, like, it's not unbelievable. Nothing Nothing happening here is 
unbelievable. You know, when I was reading Undiscovered Country, the first time like a giant creature showed up, I was like, oh, okay, that's not really what I'm into. But here it's just humans being terrible to each other. Not all of them, but the bad guys are that. And so it's, in that sense, enjoyable. Steve Scroach is sort of a legend of his time. Doesn't work a lot in comics and is incredible. And the Dave Stewart colors are great. I've enjoyed these first two issues. It's been surprising. The characters have been a little surprising. Was the first one a while ago? It was all we on break, like a month ago. Oh, okay. So I, I wasn't sure if I'd read the first one because I kind of missed it. But that sounds interesting. If you're into like Mad Max sci-fi stuff with a bit more realistic take on post-American society, this would be the book for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's take a quick break here and talk about how you can help support the show. We are running long. That's okay. Good comics to talk about. Hey, patreon.com slash ifanboy is the main way you people help the show. We keeps the lights on, keeps the bills paid, keeps the show going, and we do appreciate that. And over the past few years, the patrons have unlocked a lot of content that you're enjoying. You at home listening. Uh, they unlock the talk explodes and the book explodes and the media explodes. The YouTube content that's going back up. Uh, our old video shows is going up there. All that stuff's been unlocked by the patrons. We have the monthly hangouts with them. There's all kinds of fun stuff that they have created for the viewing pleasure or listening pleasure of the people out there. And our pleasure as well. We enjoy doing those shows, even if they're hard to schedule. Our next stretch goal is a new show. A fourth is it a fourth show? A fourth, a fourth show. Jeez. Uh, we'd actually be a fifth. It'd be our fifth regular show. That's crazy. Covering the classic G.I. Joe cartoon from the 80s, one episode at a time. And then after that, the next stretch goal after that is a quarterly barbecue and email video show that we'll start producing again. So there's all kinds of fun things that could happen, and they do happen over at Patreon.com. They also enjoy the Facebook group. They enjoy the Discord server. They're both really fun communities, and as Josh talked about last time, uh, the Discord server really feels like the old Revision 3 forum days, if you've been around that long. It's a healthy, fun community with lots of conversation going on. So if, you, if you're not a patron and you want, to, you want that again, you can check that out. If you are a patron and you don't know about it, just go to the patron page and search Discord and you'll find links to how to join that. I got to say, like one of the things that I think Connor and I and Ron to that extent have always been really proud of is, is sort of that we've always had this amazing community. And it, mm-hmm. it's just not, it never became that thing that so many other communities do. And, and it, you know, it's not great that that part of it is sort of behind a paywall, but you know, it's low stakes to entry and I think it's totally worth it. Yeah. 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 It's really fun. Josh was all up in there this week. I know. And then I forgot about it again. <laughs> I kind of like set it so it gives me little notifications that stuff's come up. Otherwise, I, I don't see the thing. Yeah. But it's okay. That way I'm not wasting all of my time. So it's fun. It's fun there. So check that out. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Also, if you want to buy some merch, iFanboy.threadless.com. You can find our t-shirts there, our iFanboy logo, our Herm, Pick League Podcast ratings. If you want to let show, GDAT, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters. It's to help read comics. All those designs are there for t-shirts, but also you can get them on all kinds of household items mugs or bath mats or notebooks or whatever you want to get them on but primarily people buy t-shirts which is great and you can get those at ifmy.threadless.com ifmy.com slash support is how you can help us out directly via paypal many people do that they just they don't want to become patrons and that's totally fine they don't want to buy merch that's also totally fine we all we all have enough stuff but if you just want to throw a couple dollars in the tip jar that's where you can do it ifmy.com slash support finally ifmy.com slash amazon that's where you can find our books blood books and a general amazon link and we thank everyone who does all those things you really do keep the show going and help us keep the bills paid, and we do appreciate that. That's why there's still a show. So thank you. Let's start zooming. More anthologies. Yeah, uh, it's, this is going to take me longer to uh, read off who did it than it is to talk about the book, but uh, did you read Marvel 4? I, I did. You. you told me to, and so I did. I read four, and I read one. My goal was to read all four of them, and I didn't get a chance to. 
I don't think you have to. No, it's I an think, anthology. It doesn't. Yeah. It's an anthology. They're, they're little stories. There's a wraparound story that that mm-hmm. the opening and closing with the dream guy. That's in yeah. all the issues, but it doesn't. It doesn't make a difference. These are just anthology stories, which isn't great. I don't think you're missing out much. No. So there is a uh, story here uh, by Daniel Acuna, an artist who I really love. Uh, whenever I see him, you know, just a high on the gosh. Scale. Hold just real quick. This is. Tied to the Marvel's books. This is overseen by Busick and Ross. Ross does the covers. He does the art and the wraparound story. Busick also, I guess, writes that one or helps write it. And he's also been involved. So this is overseen. It's got the branding. And ultimately, it's almost like classic out-of-continuity takes on these characters that could could be taking place any time. The first issue, there was a terrific Busick-written 60s Avengers story with the classic team. That's what this is. So the Acuna story is, you know, aliens invade Earth, apparently, I guess, in the 19th century, and they win. And yeah. so we, we shoot to the future, and, you know, the aliens have taken over Earth, and like, this place is great, and they hold gladiator battles, you know. And it's almost like uh, roller derby racing gladiator battles. With uh, the world from Thor Ragnarok. Right. You know, but all the gladiators are, are the, you know, versions of the Marvel characters. So there's a beast who also has snickety claws. And there's, you know, there's there's, this, there's a fantastic Prince Valiant. Well, I was thinking He-Man. Uh, yeah, that too. He's got the whole outfit. And... On a 70s trike bike. <laughs> you know, there's the thing. It's it's The thing it's with cybernetic, skinny cybernetic legs like Stiltman. Yep. It's really fun. And then after that, there's this really sort of silly story, uh, Where Monsters Smell, written and drawn by Hilary Barda. Well, do you know the history of this? I, I looked it yeah, up I mean, These are all the Kirby monsters. So Dr. Druid, the character, the, you know, the, 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 the C or D level Avenger that we love, was created by Kirby. Mm-hmm. But he's originally called Dr. Droom. And this was in the early, you know, sort of pre- Marvel Silver Age before 1962 and I think it was created in 61 and so this is Dr. Droom facing off against all the Kirby monsters and so what happened was at the end of that they didn't use him again and then they they basically decided to bring him back but then they changed him to Dr. Strange and then eventually eventually you know they brought him back as Dr. Druid but this is all Kirby creations Fin Fin Foom and I didn't catch that part about Dr. Droom, but I assume... No, that I, that I looked that up afterwards, and there's there's one bit where he's reading a book, and it says, by Dr. Druid, but right. I, went, I was like, there's got to be something here, so I went and looked it up, and that was... So, it, but the way that we're just describing it, like, it sounds like it sounds like it's a seri- It's a very silly oh, story. It's totally it's, silly, it's a, and I thought it was hilarious. It's a not Brandech kind of thing. He gets a pink slip from Mr. Fantastic, which is sort of, you know, yeah. meta, like, he's he's gone, it's time for the cla- you know classic Marvel. Really fun. And then finally, there's a thing story here uh, that is written by Alex Ross and drawn by Sal Abinati, who is his art dealer, I yeah, believe. He is, yep. Art dealer, model for Shazam. Yep, really nice, really nice little thing story with a really stylistic imagery in it that I also enjoyed. It was, it was a great little issue, again. Well, I'm glad you put this on my radar because I hadn't been reading this. Yeah, I was yeah. like looking for something. Let's check this out. Now. Oh, this is new. so that was delightful. Shang-Chi wrapped up this miniseries, the, the Jin Yang and DK Ron art. And I wavered on this, but I actually, I enjoyed the ending. I think this when issue it was came together. really good. Yeah. I, you know, like the first issue, two, three, four, I kind of was like, all right, this is okay. Yeah. But I thought this was a strong wrap up. And it's nice because it, it does lead into what will be more. If it just ended with this and sort of put Shang Chi on a on a new, you know, level where they could use him in something else, 
<laughs> there's the last page that leaves no doubt. It's just the the three characters with their arms in the air going, "This is a new era," like, <laughs> like your like your greatest anime. <laughs> but there's going to be another mini series, The Return of Shang Chi. I thought the action was strong. I thought the characterizations yeah. really worked. I thought, I thought there were some real did well nice character turns too. Yeah. Like he 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 speaks to his dead uncle and and he's like, "You don't understand yet. Do it this way." And I think that that paid off really well. You know, family drama, all that stuff. It was it was it ended up really well. I, I was I was really happy about that. Yeah. I'm really enjoying Captain Marvel. It's Captain Marvel 25, Kelly Thompson, Lee Garbett, Balan, Ortega on the art. And I love a time-displaced story. And this is Captain Marvel. We're deep in This is part four of this particular story. Captain Marvel got zapped to the future. And so she said to team up with Thor's daughter and Rhodey's daughter and Emma Frost, who is in her diamond form because she doesn't age while she's in her diamond form, to fight Namor's asshole son who has taken over mm-hmm. the, the planet. It's just been super fun. I just I love these kind of stories where we get to see a possible future and the modern hero has to react to all the craziness that's going on. And we got a lot of backstory here, which sort of filled in how this all happened. And I've just been enjoying the hell out of this. This is, it was an incredibly fun issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been good. This, this series has been good. Did you ever go back to read it? I have them piled up mm-hmm. to read and it, it is this because I'm 25 now it's gotten a little like, Ugh. so I, I think I'm, I'm I, you know, just start with this it. arc. Maybe that would be a good, you, you don't know, need to I know, go but back. I, I think I, the book's yeah. good, but if you wanted, if you're just worried about starting, start with this arc. Yeah. I also wanted to mention X-Men 17, <laughs> Jonathan Hickman, Brett Booth. And I wanted to mention it because... <laughs> I saw that name and I went, whoa. So Brett Booth has been on DC for a while. I think he has. Uh, he might have been DC exclusive. But he would pop up every now and then in DC. I'm not really a huge Brett Booth fan. But strangely, it kind of worked here because as a child of the 90s comics-wise, it kind of, to me, is how the X-Men should look. <laughs> Like, there's a weird part of my lizard brain that goes, yeah, that's how the X-Men should look. Because for so long, that's how that the X-Men That dude gets looked. mad at people. You should watch it. I know. Look, he's not a bad artist. And I'm telling you, I like this mm-hmm. from, a, from our standpoint. It, it, it From the school of Jim Lee. I understand. No, clearly. I, he I, clearly I is. There's no, there's no denying that. And Sonny Go is is like a, a colorist of, of that, I don't know, that era, but that ilk. I want to say I've seen that name on, like, specific guys. So there's a lizard part of my brain from that part of time where I was, you know, 12, 13, reading all the Jim Lee X-Men books. This is sort of very comfortable. And also, for some reason, Cyclops and Jean Grey decided to put on their original X-Factor costumes. Good costumes. Great costumes. And there's a big splash page with them. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, there's a 13-year-old me going awesome. Mm-hmm. It's not how the modern X-Men look. And it's not, you know, sort of Joss Whedon put a stake in the heart of that with Cassidy and changed the sort of the way that the X-Men were portrayed visually. And... But to me, this was this was like kind of comfortable. I, I miss way. like I'm the same age as you, obviously, but mm-hmm. like I wasn't reading comics in that time, and I was the, I got out. For, I, mean, I got out. I was twelve. Uh, you know, I stopped reading <laughs> just before that. Also, jittery smoking hand. I got to get out. I got to get out. I mean, the fact is, though, I remember. I bought. I have the first Jim Lee X Men. Yeah. You know, like, and I I, well, I tried to well, X Men number one. Get it? I assume you mean not this first issue. No, not number one. I mean the first Uncanny X Men. Oh. It's the Jubilee story. You could sell I that one. I have it. You know, it, I wanted to like it, and I tried to, but I, I still wasn't able to get into it back then. Like, the closest I got was I was really into McFarlane. Yeah. Listen, I want to make it clear. I in no way thought this was bad. Okay. Again, yeah. like, it's, it's a style that didn't work for me, like, when he was, for, say, drawing, like, the Titans, the Teen Titans. Right. But, like, for the X-Men, it works. You're down. I don't know why. I do know why, because my 13-year-old in the back goes, hey, 
That's cool. So you're still reading the X-Men book, right? I'm reading X-Men. Yeah. I'm reading Marauders. Are you, I'm reading are you enjoying like the main X-Men book? Are you? Well, I'm a little confused. I, like, okay. It's the same conversation with Marauders. Like <laughs> it, the, all the post Ten of Swords stuff is confusing, but I do enjoy it. Okay. Because for a while, it was like the most sort of straightforward Hickman-y part. It was like sort of where the main story was going through. But now it's like, wait, what's going on? So it's, you know, I'm on the edge. <laughs> As always. So those are the books we want to talk about. A lot of books came out this week. We're already super long, but we have to talk about the patron pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every single patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And we got a large influx of patrons. And we got a large influx of voting patrons because not all the patrons vote. It's been great. I think this week we had the most number of books ever to receive votes. Wow. Like 36 books got votes, but, which was great. But it was decided pretty early. Yeah, it was a blowout. Savage Avengers number 17 won because... As we said on our Patreon page, much like GameStop, we had a cabal of people in the Discord <laughs> channel decided they were going to push Savage Avengers through because there's one guy every every week, every month who goes, what about Savage Avengers? And no one ever goes for it. So this week they decided to go get behind him, which I, I appreciate, and sure. vote for it. And I'm glad they did because A, it wasn't a number one, mm-hmm. and uh, B, it was a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. This was a king in black story, and... I saw other people read it who hadn't read it because it was the patron pick. And I think what was great about it was if this is a crossover, theoretically speaking, I I don't even know if this happens anymore. Theoretically speaking, a crossover issue should be bringing in new readers to your book. Because some, Uh in some point in the time, Marvel Zombies bought every issue of the crossover into Secret Wars, you know? So that was the idea was, well, crossovers will bring new readers to your title. So it should be accessible enough to someone who's never read it before because theoretically a King and Black fan will be picking this up. In that sense, it worked. I haven't read it. I think I read the first issue of this book and never read it anymore, and I had no problem with it. From a pitch concept, I, I was like, I don't want to read that. Right. It was like, you know, Conan the Barbarian is in the Marvel Universe and, right. and such and such. Oh, yeah, I don't want that. But sometimes that instinct is wrong. <laughs> you know, same thing. I, I don't think that this rate's terribly high on the gosh scale. It's not good old superheroes. It's a different type of superhero book, but it did have something that I like about comics. And... It was very silly. Oh, it, I was very conflicted. I, I did enjoy reading it, and I, I legitimately laughed out loud to the point where I yes. put the iPad down when Conan kicked Deadpool through the bars of the, of the jail. <laughs> I did, too. I literally had to, put, I had to put the scene. iPad down. Be reborn into freedom. I, had, I literally had to put it down. So <laughs> there are things like, you know, do I want to read any more of this? Probably not. Like, there was a part where they murdered all the prison guards, and I was like, mm, like, are we supposed to just be okay with that? I mean... But um, it's Conan book and it's Deadpool, so like there's precedent. Conan Conan has no time for any of those things. Like, so the story here is I, I don't know who the Savage Avengers are. We only really get two characters here, and the third guy who I don't I, is not on the team. Conan has been arrested. It takes four guards to throw him in the cell. He's been arrested for assaulting a police dog, I guess, outside of a bar. And then Deadpool's already in jail, which was I thought was funny. Shut up, Deadpool. And so they have to break out, and Conan realizes that Deadpool can heal really, really fast. And so he shoves him through the bars. Of Be the reborn game. to freedom. <laughs> and so that he can heal the other side and then get them out, which is what happens. And then they escape to only to immediately get attacked by these symbiotes from King of Black storyline. And there's a flashback to Conan. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, I, I was really Kev glad Walker to see Kev on Walker. Jerry yeah, Duggan. We didn't on. mention the creative team. Jerry Duggan, Kev Walker, Hafa Tartaglia, and Travis Lanham. And, you know. It's just all, it's a, it's, these are all pros. The thing about Kev Walker is, I, I just like the graphic style of it. I always, and you know, it, sometimes it's hard to follow him around because he always sort of, they he stick him on books that lot, I don't yeah. necessarily want to read or know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of got to hunt him down. But there's a real, he doesn't look like Steve Dillon's work. 
but there's hints of it in there. If you if you look at the scene that we were talking about where he's shoving that feels like a very preacher page when he's shoving Deadpool through the thing and, and you cut back to the yeah. to the hardened criminals in there and they're reverting their eyes and the one guy's throwing up. Right. You know. It's <laughs> it's funny. It's you know, like it, it, he can do action, he can mm. do humor, he can mm. like sort of do the the melodramatic that that sort of remembers that this stuff is just a little bit silly. And and it's more fun a lot of times when you acknowledge that. If it's a quality artist and writer. Yeah, for um, sure. It was really fun, but like I, I don't, I, I don't want necessarily Conan the Barbarian in the modern times walking around mm-hmm. permanently. But I don't have to work to read it. It's not. I mean, it isn't permanent. That's that's not going to be a thing. So go well, for now. I mean. As long as you don't have to rationalize it with everything else, then you can go that way. And I think like as a one-off, I was fine with that one-off tale yeah. we read. That was cool. But like to move him, I assume for seventeen issues into the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's not seventeen that issues and 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 on and counting is is a long time to sort of do that. So it would have to be very good to have that not get old. And I do have a feeling that if I had been reading this this whole time, we would have gotten over it. Right. As a single issue, I might think about reading the next one. It was really fun, but I know I just I just know that eventually I'll be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, you know, which is fine. It'll take six issues, but that's also great. That's fine. Who cares? No one is required to read a comic forever. Mm-mm. Unless you've got the tattoo on you. Nah, I stopped reading. No, I am reading that Green Lantern book. <laughs> so ratings. Ratings on the patron pick. If Savage Avenger 17 out of five stars, I'm giving it... Mm. Solid four for me. I'm going to do four. I'm just. I'm going to do 3.89. Oh, okay. I get that. I think that makes sense with what you said. Sticking with it, you're gonna read, are you going to read 18? I, th- I think I might. I might. If it's like a whole different team and, and something's changed, but it, or it gets back into basically, if I have to read about the King in Black, you know, like putting some fun people together and, and having to go out and kill things, that could be fine. You know, I don't know what the overall arc really is, so right. maybe it's not good. Who knows? Well, I'll try the next one, sure. I might if it's a slow week. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Patreon.com slash fanboy. That's where you can go. Every patron can vote to vote the rundown. Thank you this week, patrons, for voting. But if you go for the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower live in the show as a way of thanks. Let's do it. Gregory Garrods, spelled mm. the same as Mitch, could be Jared's. Mm-hmm. Ironically, having to deal with this, has the ability to perfectly pronounce all place names and people names. <laughs> There's no... It would make an excellent podcaster. There's no cultural embarrassment on how to pronounce things. Listen, if you think it's bad now, go back and listen to the early days of the podcast. Not just ours, all of the podcasts, because that was the first time... Anyone had ever said those names out loud outside of the industry. Or inside their own heads, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a minefield. <laughs> well, not so for Gregory. No. And also, yeah, it has to be a hard G, because otherwise it doesn't sound right. Anyway. Gregory Gerritz. <laughs> it, could, it could be a Norse sort of thing. That's true. <laughs> yeah, this is a... Yeah, so perfect pronunciation. No one, no one is ever uh, in an awkward position in a business meeting, for example. Mm-hmm. No one is ever made to feel like, oh, here goes the, uh, the the Western Hemisphere people butchering our names and acting like the pronunciation doesn't matter. No, Gregory's got that all under control. It's just, it's just a talent. And the thing is, it all matters. We just don't know. You know, you should, exactly. all you can do is the best you can. Yep. Adrian Hosseini. Uh, Adrian's power is. That uh, perfect cable management. Are you sure we haven't had that power? I think we have, but it's important enough issue where we can have multiple people doing it. Uh, if we can have two Spider-Men, we can have two cable management guys because I mean, it's I, a problem. I, I was thinking about it just this week, so 
And the thing is, like, it's it's not like oh he 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 hides the cables in like tubes or attaches like they're just sort of gone. Wow. You know, like they're just sort of not there. And then when they when when you need them, they're there. Possible. It's magic. It's it's, it's, it's a dongle it's, world, and we're all just living in it. It's a Hosseini situation, you know. Uh-huh. He Hosseinied it. It's magic. Man, I could. Maybe you've got cables next to brick, and you can't get you know, hide them, or you've got walls you can't cut into. It doesn't matter. Mm. They're just gone. It's almost like it's almost it makes it almost appears as if you're totally wireless, but you're not. But how does it happen? Hosseini. Broadcast energy transmitter. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Uh, thanks for Gregory and Adrian for being patrons. We do appreciate it. We can do. I think we can do an email or two, depending Let's, on how long we go. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how that goes. Go with the first one. If not, we will do the next one next time. But we'll see. Blake Chastain from the Exvangelical podcast says, "I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks since Josh mentioned the similarity of the last few Marvel events, War of the Realms, Empire, King and Black, all involving a world scale alien invasion." Timely question, Blake. <laughs> what if this was viewed as a metaphor for the unrelenting pace of crises in the real world? I know your show doesn't engage directly with politics, current events, but we're all living through this pandemic, and here in the U.S., that's accompanied by so many other overlapping crises. Whether seen from the POV of heroes and villains or just the innocent bystanders, maybe we can aspire to be like the people in these stories who are resilient in the face of so many conflicts. Conversely, maybe we can just admit that we're exhausted and need a goddamn break. That's for damn sure. That, yes. There's, there's no... <laughs> There can be, there can be no, that is an unpolitical statement. We're <laughs> we are all, all exhausted tired. and need a goddamn break. Yeah. Not a single person in the country can say otherwise or in the world. I think it's a stretch only because I, these I, events go back I, years. Sort of. I mean, I, I would say that it's very, I mean, this is, this is the case in all fiction, but it's certainly, uh, you know, in comics, because they're created on such a sort of uh, quick turnaround time, I, I think it's almost impossible for real world zeitgeist to not bleed into what's going on no i don't know enough about king of black to know if it is or not i just don't know enough uh, no I, but i i think in sort of a larger overall thing i don't think it's conscious is what i think it is you know it's, in some cases it is but if you look at you know marvel from the fantastic four area on you know the concern there is you know radiation and 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 nuclear war sure. and yeah, absolutely and, and communism fear of the other which is what sort of you know the monsters and you know the it's it's the, one of the reasons they connect with people is that the people making them are tapping into, and I do think it's largely unconscious, the thing that everybody is worried about at that time. General anxiety. Yeah, and you, you see, you know, we've seen a massive uptick in the past few years of post-apocalyptic, you know, stories and comics. They're, they're a dime a dozen now. That seems to keep happening. There's, there's obviously, there's no shortage of, of political, you know, and societal uh, uh, there's a word I can't think of right now. Just you know the, the idea that where power is and how it affects people and that comes in. But so that's that's really specific stuff, and I tend to not like that so much because it's a little on the nose. And sometimes people need to work through it, and it helps other people read it. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you start to see this this thing, these things that happen over and over, like there's this invasion. You know, there's this everybody has to fight off of this thing, and it's hard. It's it's hard not to make a connection. You know. And I think maybe that's something that comics does better than some other media just because it's much more immediate. Mm-hmm. You know, a comic is conceived and it's on the stands, you know, usually within six months tops. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. n- not all of them, but your, your sort of regular workaday stuff. You know, and how do you not? You know, especially now that 
social media is connecting. It's probably make it's. I think social media is the thing that's actually making all these things more s- similar than not because people are all being part of the same conversations in a way that they weren't. You know, yeah. whereas, whereas Steve Dicko is sitting in his studio reading whatever he's reading is separate, and you get what came out of him. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, obviously, you're not wrong about how generalized anxiety creeps into work and and current events creeps into work, whether it's conscious or not. However, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not feeling it from, I, I just feel like the, it's a, it, the, the invasion is a trope. It's a comic trope that's been there for decades and they just marvel for whatever reason keeps going to that well. And I don't know. I just it's don't, about, I'm not feeling the real world. I mean, I think the one that maybe, maybe the closest one that we didn't read was the, um, the Captain America one where he, you know, where sort of the evil leader took over. I think that would be the closest. And Nick Spencer is extremely political. Yes, person writer, and I don't that that'd be the closest I, I would come to saying that one is clearly influenced by current events. But I don't, I, think I don't that know, that, that, I, don't, I don't know, I, I think, can't really put Empire, I can't really pin like what was the real world influence for Empire. Do you know what I mean? I think though that like that's I guess larger, I guess that's similar. It was a real evil leader who wasn't. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just having a hard time seeing it. I I'm think not saying that you're. Wrong. I think you're. I think you're being too specific though. I think that there's a larger sense of doom and dread that sort of happens and that gets manifested into these kind of stories the fact that these are all the same i you know i think that's a different thing i think it's an editing problem mm-hmm. but the stories tend to have a feel to like they're not there's not there's not patriotic stories right now you know as we were going through the 60s it went from nuclear and then it was a space it was space race stuff and it was you know but it, it wasn't even well kirby was doing it very uh, specifically a lot of times but there's just there's a different tone to things. Right now, the tone to everything is everything gets destroyed. That's what keeps happening in comics over and over and over and over again. Is that everything is imperiled and everything gets uh, destroyed? Now, for many people, that you know the alien invasion or whatever, that's the tool for that. But it's the some version of that is happening in everything. I mean, that it's was the thing for even, years in movies too. You know, you have right, disaster it, movies or alien invasion movies every year. Once the technology was able to do that, but it's not even fighting off the threat. The story here starts with. It happened. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like we're past the point. Like they didn't, they didn't, nobody saved the world in these. That's how stories have been more so in the past is that, you know, they, the stuff came through, they fought off the Starro and, and, and saved everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, like everything is already destroyed and is shit. And now what do we do? It's that subtle change that I, I mean, I, I could be making it up. I could be reading it into it. That's what I feel like the, the zeitgeist part of it is. Yeah, I'm not necessarily thing you're saying wrong. I I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I I think it's I think also people like spectacle, and I think you know the movies figured that out with not starting with, but really coming into its own with in, in Independence Day when when the technology mm-hmm. was able to really convincingly portray it, even like Twister was, on a smaller level. And now so many cars have been destroyed in the name of that. Right. It's like, you know, you get sort of bored with the destruction. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's obviously a generalized anxiety. We all have it. We all, we're, yeah. we're all traumatized even in ways we don't even understand, I think. We're not going to understand for years. Yeah. And, and I've, obviously it's going to seep into art. That's how it works. So I'm not saying it's not there. I just, I'm also not saying it's not, not there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> how's that for an equivocation? Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah. I think let's. If we do the Dallas question, we have to do the second question because we don't have time yeah, no. for the first question. No, I want to do it. Let's do it. Let's leave it for next week. Okay. I Dallas think, will answer I your think. question next week. Yeah. Good question. Dallas is a name, not a place, but it's both. Contact.ifanboy.com is where you can write in. A lot of great emails this week. A lot of great yes, emails absolutely. this week. I was really happy about Plethora that. Plethora of choices. So we'll get to you, Dallas, and we'll get to hopefully on more people. 
Let's talk about what's coming up or what's happened. Although outside the show, we had our media explode. We talked about The Mandalorian, me and Josh and Ron. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Love talking about The Mandalorian. And so that was last month's media explode. He's no good to me dead. (laughs) No, I don't know what we're going to talk about next month, but we will because that's how it works. Talksplode will be coming up in February this time because that's when I can schedule it with a comic book creator that I'm excited to speak to, That's which is a prerequisite to being on the show. Alan Moore. It's, it's not Alan Moore. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've, been ta- I've talked to so many people. I have a ton of experience with it. I would be terrified to talk to Alan Moore. As you should. Just, I know. As you should. I think anyone should. Yeah. But every time I've ever heard him talk, he seems like a lovely guy. It's funny because you know February is the shortest month. It's going to be a really busy perhaps too busy month of podcasts. We'll have our media explode. We'll have our talks explode. We'll have books explode. Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli oh. is the book explode discussion. And going to have an animated brain trust show in February as well, talking about Batman, Soul of the Dragon, the uh, 70s kung fu story that we're all excited to watch and talk about. So it's going to be eight, at least eight shows in February, right? One, two, three, four. Yeah, eight shows in February. And a hangout. And a hangout. So the shortest month is the, is going to be packed full of content uh, for you to enjoy. Also, apparently at the end of it, I'll be fucking 44. <laughs> Head over to <laughs> ifanboy.com. That's where you'll find all these shows, as well as uh, all, all the old writing we did in the, the vast history, years and years, 13 years of comic. Well, it's not all there because we did have a server disaster early in the days. We have, we'll say 10 years of comic writing. It's all found there. Great writers. It's fun to go back and relive those times. And uh, it's all at ifanboy.com. Follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy or follow ifanboy on Twitter. Uh, ifanboy comics on Instagram. That's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. Individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube page at YouTube.com. You are not my fake friends. It was a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. YouTube.com slash ifanboy is where you can uh, keep up to date with all the old shows we've been uploading including this week, which I'm going to look at right now, which includes, where are we? It's oh, right. I think it's right. Well, those are two of the three. You don't have the third show. Oh, that looked older. We did a comic book voicemail show. Always loved doing those. We did a mini on the book of the month, which was Hellboy, the library, library edition. edition. And then the Friday show was we did a spotlight on Why the Last Man. So hmm. there you go. So it's, right a, it's a tiny book from 10 years ago you may not have heard of. Why the last man? If you like the the unadaptable property, <laughs> if you like this show, which is amazing because it should have been the easiest show well, to ever make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, think, so I think it'll good. happen eventually. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're they're shooting it right now. I think. Yeah, they are. If you like this? Show, oh, really? It's yeah, actually they're a shooting thing? a pilot right now. Yeah. Well, that worked out great for Preacher. If you like this show, write a review or leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now there's Amazon Podcast and Audible and Spotify, so there's places that you can uh, rate them. Other than that, um, do that for this show if you haven't, and do it for other shows because yep. they, they all need that support. And if you love them, it helps greatly for the people making them to know that, to know that, and to know how many people are doing that better yet tell folks about it directly if that's a thing that you can do if you talk to people if you if you're in your bubble and you're rolling down the road you know you can mm. press your bubble up to somebody else's bubble and be like <laughs> hey do you listen to this podcast <laughs> and then and then we'll say, they'll course, say what of course your mail carry be like i was planning it anyway um well the thing is now you know now the, the guideline is to wear two masks so yeah and listen we are 
very, very, very pro wearing masks. However, that doesn't mean we can't make jokes about it. Does, sure. Making jokes about it doesn't mean we're not pro mask. But it is very difficult to talk through one mask, let alone two. Like whenever the guy at the grocery store tries to talk to me, I'm like, I, I can't, we can't, this is not going to happen. Like, Are they behind the, the plexiglass? They've got too? the plexiglass. And it's like, yeah. I got two masks on. We can't have a conversation about what I just bought because none of us understand what's going on. Yeah. I keep hearing uh, news reports, like little radio bits of Nancy Pelosi, and I'm like, why is she slurring? Oh, it's through the mask. <laughs> that and she's 80. <laughs> hey, you know, um, tired. as a sidebar, you mentioned Preacher. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would Google Preacher while you talked. No, don't. It's, and it took me three levels to get to a comic image. It's, it's, I can't. I, it's, <laughs> it's so bad. I want, I want a Google filter. Uh-huh. that I can take out all movie and TV versions of the comic book shit that I need to search for because it's a, it's such a problem. And I'm offended for it. <laughs> I, I want to be able to search for Preacher and not have to add Steve Dillon. And even when I do... Yeah. I or get, comics. Oh, God. It's so annoying. Anyway. I'm so, you know what? We can't, we can't end it like that. I mean, no, I, I was going to say, you know, if you like the show, tell your friends. Or did you do this part? I was Googling Preacher. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I kind of did that. Okay, no, I, I, we, we talked about that. And then we were like, yeah, you should wear your mask. And we were like, <laughs> we also acknowledge that wearing them sucks. Yeah, like, no can, one likes you it. Can, you can hold those two We've things. all got mask knee. Like, it's all, it's yeah. all annoying. Mm-hmm. But important. Listen, if I'm saying if the plant creatures are invading... It's annoying, but you got to fight them off. Right, exactly. While wearing your mask. I, mean, I, assume, I assume the plant creatures will put pollen or spores out and it'll require masks. Totally. Yeah. If, if they're any kind of good invaders, they'll have that plan in place. Okay, you're Connor. I'm Josh. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Stay safe out there. Wash your hands, wear your mask, do those things, and uh, be good to each other. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.